0: Ready. There we go. Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, the video game music podcast. This is the podcast where I can hit the record button at the right time. Sometimes,
1: sometimes you can.
0: We're your hosts. I'm Rob Nichols and I'm Pernell. Every week we hang out, we listen to great video game music based on a topic that either we
1: choose or you choose. We like it if you choose. Sometimes we just throw darts at a board, and wherever they land, we choose the opposite of where they land. Oh man, last time it landed on me. So that was an odd topic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, this week we got a new topic. Last week uh, I was on vacation. Pernell was on vacation at Magfest. I was festing some mag. Do you have any uh, cool stories? Like any any uh, any highlights you want to? you want to talk about on the show
1: to be honest uh yes and no like i actually as in recent years i haven't really partook much of the actual mag scene because when i go well two things one i have a difficult time investing interest in games that are out on display because i'm like if i want to play some i likely have it at home and i don't want to wait in any long lines to get my turn um but the main reason I go down there is for what is known as the Macfest Pokemon League. Yes. Now, and I'm a part of a group oh, yeah. called the East Coast Pokemon League.
0: Eastside yes, Pokemon right. East Coast. What's an example of an East Coast Pokemon?
1: Per Perkachu.
0: And what makes the East Coast Pokemon flow different from the West Coast Pokemon flow?
1: Well, we're kinder, gentler. We have water, um, <laughs> you know, things like that, and a variety of seasons. Um, but no, it's like it's a it's it's just a fan group that we started a couple of years ago for the East Coast Pokemon League, and um, basically just it's a Facebook group and a we have a forum page where we just try to discuss Pokemon and build union. But from that, collaborating with Magfest, the Magfest Pokemon League was born, and I am the Steel Gym leader for both Magfest and po- um, ECPL.
0: I love that you're the Steel Gym. Steel gym leader. Yeah. I think that's like fitting for some reason. Like like your steel, hard as steel.
1: That's right. i push yeah. pushed through all adversity, a little soft sometimes, but ultimately the wall comes up and it comes tumbling down on top of whatever gives me grief. What what do you think your win rate win ratio was? I actually think I was around sixty, seventy percent. I actually did a lot better than I thought I would. So you stomped a bunch of kids? And adults. There's actually more adults than kids. <laughs> that's the funny part.
0: Like uh well, I mean, it makes I mean Pokemon's been around like what like 25 twenty
1: five mm, years? Came out in ninety five in oh, Japan, wait. I think. Yeah, wow. Came out in the states in ninety eight or ninety nine. It came out in the states, uh, but it's uh it was a lot of fun doing that. Like we basically set up shop there. I would show up for my shift, and uh, people would come up. We had you could register a total of nine Pokemon, and you had to use it between those nine a team of four at a time to take out all eight as many of the eighteen gyms as possible. And then whoever had the most uh, block of people with the most badges entered the final round that Saturday night and they had like a big tournament, like best of 16 or something like that. That's cool. But um, it was amazing. Like a lot is very social, very friendly. Um, Also, it's just kind of fun to kind of have people show up and have battles with you. You're conversing and I get really into them. Oh, come on. (laughs) How'd you do that to me? What move is that? I love that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And like I get really excited about it. Oh, cool. And aside from that, um, I also talked to a couple friends of mine, my friend Paul. Um, guy, he does too too many games. He has a booth there. He sells stuff and advertises sometimes. So I hung out with him for a bit. And, of course, my friend that runs um, um, Red Star Costumes. No, sorry. Yeah, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I hate myself right now. We'll look, it, we'll, look it up, we'll look it up.
0: But a uh, uh, like a cosplay, costuming.
1: Right yeah, there? costuming shop. Cool. And, um, and just stuff like that. So it was overall a good time. And I hung out with friends, of course, as well. Just a good time. Yeah, and you were down there for that like, crazy snowstorm. Oh yeah. That was a blast. I got a new car recently. I went from four wheel drive to two wheel drive. Yeah, it's a change, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and the first of course the first snow of the season was one of my first long distance trip in the blasted thing. So I was terrified. And uh, it handled fairly well, but at the same time I'm pretty sure if it was anything more than like two inches of snow sitting on the ground and freezing I'd probably be i c I'd be a, it'd be a catastrophe. Oh, but man. we'll see when I get there. <laughs>
0: All right, so today's topic, why don't you why don't you explain what you think today's topic is, what
1: it is to you, because it's it's different. Um, basically, we were, called, we were trying to come up with some topic ideas, and then for some reason, this one just kind of came out of nowhere for me, the idea being memories, and when I say that, it could be one of two things, I suppose. It could be either A, a specific track that, when you hear it, takes you back to a memory that may or may not even relate to the track. Or it could just be a track that you really have a bond with, uh, like a certain fondness. And I'm not talking the usual, oh, this track sounds awesome. It has a bass line or something. I mean, literally, you hear this track and you smile. It brings you back to a a center of sorts. Yeah,
0: so so on the show, I usually try to... Well, I mean, I don't play a lot of games, so a lot of the tracks I play are from games I usually haven't played before or only played, only have like a little bit of exposure to. So, for me, I, I find this show as more of an exercise in music appreciation, and, and discovering new things that I may not, that I may not know about and may really enjoy. So, this episode is all for me all about nostalgia. Yeah. And I, I like to steer away from that on the show because there's different age groups, different genders, different backgrounds. Nostalgia is going to be different for everybody. What we have as nostalgia isn't going to be the same person... Isn't going to be the same nostalgia that the other person has who's maybe 10 years younger or 10 years older.
1: But I think that kind of adds a certain flavor to the social interactions, too. Like, I was telling you about my nephew who has no idea what Mario... He told me, like, you ever heard that? Mario Run? <laughs> like, have you ever played a real Mario game? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's fun to, like, share, share these things,
0: but, like, to... To expect everyone to have it, like I, I you can't expect everyone to have, to have that same kind of nostalgia. But, but for me, this episode, I have a lot. It just it, it really made me think about it. So it's a even number episode. So I'm gonna start with my track here. So every track I'm gonna play today are tracks that when I was younger, in like middle school, grade school, or whatever, I recorded on a little tiny pink Walkman. Oh from like the 90s like or the 80s. Like one of the very, very first uh, Walkman recording device things. It was p- bright pink, and I used to listen to Vanilla Ice on it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and ice, Ice, I had, I had
0: Vanilla Ice, I had MC Hammer, and then later on I had Digital Underground doing the Humpty Dance. <laughs> it's your chance. I, I loved all that stuff. So all, all of these tracks... That I'm going to play are stuff that I recorded either on that or later on. So this is the first one that I ever recorded on that little tape recorder that I got way into when I discovered that if you leave a game, whether it's on the NES or on the Game Boy, if you leave it on that title screen, that song is usually way longer than you
1: expect. That is very true. And it always blew my mind when that (laughs) happened, because like, why they put this much work into yeah. a title like Mega Man Three is notorious for that. Like the song oh, totally. is awesome and lengthy in a, in a solstice. Solstice. The, oh yeah,
0: that's right. You, you played. played I, that was me, right? Yeah, you played that one. That yeah. thing is like eight minutes long. So I'm playing. This is the title theme to Revenge of the Gator, which is a a, a pinball game for the Game Boy.
1: Oh, I and remember I, that. We, one. Did,
0: we don't have a composer for this one, but it's it's pretty great. I think you're gonna like this. It's really fun. And it just, it really captured my imagination when I was younger. So I hope you enjoy it. This is the title theme to Revenge of the Gator for the Nintendo Game Boy.
1: Revenge of the Gator. Revenge of the
0: Gator. Burn
1: your face off. Revenge of the Gator. He's going to sneeze now.
0: This is the Gators. These are three Gators. They're dancing around on the Game Boy screen. And they spin around and then they jump and they,
1: they do the thing with a pinball game. It's <laughs> Revenge of the Gator. But they <laughs> lack kings and top hats. Don't know how that works. Well, they so um, this still-
0: is Revenge of the Gator for the Game Boy. This is the title screen, which I remember being a lot longer when I was younger. But uh, Purnell found the composer information. This is Hiroaki Suga. And it was developed by Hal, Hal Laboratories.
1: This was one of my favorite developers, actually, for years. And Why, why is that? Kirby, man. Oh, Kirby, Kirby. They were... They've had, I didn't realize they had other games up until a point, but I thought of, the first time I heard of them was when Kirby's Dream Land came out. And from that point on, pretty much anything that came out of their house was gold. Oh, Kirby, Kirby 2, Super Smash Bros. eventually. Um, just, God, I just kind of love Hal. They
0: do great stuff. Okay. So this, this was this was really fun, and I really liked the animation in the opening. Like I just, it was totally unexpected to me that they would have like these, the little gators would come out and they would just dance and spin around and they would come out and do it over and over again.
1: Oh, Adventures of Lolo
0: was also. Oh Lolo, yeah, that makes sense. Sorry for cutting you off. Like no, I, that, I gotta that, say it, it's in my head. No, that's all right. It's it's real short. I like the um the little end part to this thing. I'm just
1: jamming to him because I swear Yeah, this is this is like, I know this is your style I, I want, I, I, I'm i actually disappointed to hear that they didn't have top hats and canes <laughs> on this intro dance. Because of this
0: part, right? Because you can hear him go Waving Goodbye <laughs> And we're jamming <laughs> And we're waving And we're waving
1: They're doing the kicks on the stage Yeah, yeah they're gonna, uh, <laughs> Boy, they're coming back They're coming back <laughs> <laughs> Go! But yeah, this is an awesome track Yeah, I'm glad you like it So,
0: Shorty But coolie coolio shorty o coolio
1: i was kind of surprised of that i was i went to look after finding the composer to this and since i know that howled this one and how also did kirby's pinball land i was wondering if it was the same composer but it actually wasn't they got somebody else to do how um, kirby pinball lands music hmm. what is your first track all right well i'll go on to the why afterwards but the track i'm going to choose first is actually the athletic theme from the game super mario world First, I think it's the first track i ever picked from a Mario game in the whole show, which is a shocker. Um, but the composer, as we all know, is Koji Kondo. So let's jam it out. Get our running shoes on and have a ball. Oh, gosh, we're back. We back, yo. <laughs> Welcome back. You were just listening to the athletic theme from the game Super Mario World, composed by Koji Kondo on the Super Nintendo. Now, this game... Well, this song is like iconic. This is a really iconic song. Very much so. To this day, I think it's also amongst the favorite athletic themes in the series' history, to be honest with you. And the reason why I picked this particular track goes back to the go-go 90s when I was still a poor lad who was getting a lot of his games as hand-me-downs from his uncle. <laughs> um, Super Nintendo comes out. He was in high school at the time, and he had a job, so of course he had the money to save it to go out and buy it when it came out. He bought the system, Super Mario World, and Final Fight, and he lived at my grandfather and my aunt's house. Now... Whenever he was home, we would go upstairs to his bedroom, he'd set the game system up, and we'd play Mario World, and of course, being the resident family gamer, I was expected to beat the game at a decent time. However, that was sort of impeded by the fact that my uncle also discovered girls around the time the Super Nintendo came out, (laughs) so he started to disappear a lot going out with his friends and meeting girls and going, you know, hanging out and things like that nature. So what that meant was access to the game system was not necessarily there because if we were to go over to the house and he was not there, my Aunt Mary, who'd be sitting downstairs, would not let us go upstairs to play games. Oh, man. She'd make us sit downstairs and watch Jeopardy and not drink her Coke because <laughs> if you touched her Coke, she'd kill you. I love that, that little uh, detail. Oh, yeah, that was a very important detail. Let me tell uh, uh, you. Yeah. So what ended up happening a lot of the time is we would show up to the house, and if Johnny wasn't there, it was my uncle, we'd be stuck in the living room, and my brother and I, sometimes just me, and we'd have to sit there and try to come up with ways to get past my aunt to go upstairs and <laughs> play <the> Super <laughs> Nintendo without being caught. That's great. Thankfully, she was kind of old. So if you could catch her at the right time, or during the right puzzle in Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune... She'd stop paying attention, and he'd tiptoe past her. Kid you not, literally tiptoe okay. up the stairs oh, and turn the game God. on, and you're playing at the door closed, <laughs> hope she doesn't realize you're going. <laughs> and sometimes she went, rush. she'd go, where are you at? And would start trying to find you in the house. It was a very strange time in life where literally you would find yourself trying to hide from your aunt in her own house to play video games in your uncle's room. That's hilarious. Without being captured,
0: <laughs> without being captured to watch Jeopardy.
1: That's right, because if you were captured, you and Passage got better acquainted, because you were stuck watching these simple <laughs> puzzles. Like, oh, I'm a grade score and I can answer these questions. Yeah. How is it these adults can't? But um, yeah, that was definitely a fun time in my life, and I played through Final Fight that way. I That's awesome. Mario World that way. I remember
0: being so disappointed when Final Fight didn't have Guy.
1: Me too. It was very sad. Also, didn't have two
0: players. Oh, that's right. It was only one player. Yeah, I guess they, I, I think they wanted to like rush it out the door or something. They really wanted to get it on like that early launch, like list of titles.
1: They made a lot of weird changes to that game. They took out Guy, they took out two players, they moved some of the music around because they cut out an entire stage. So they took the music from that stage and put it on the Bay Area, which was kind of odd, yeah. but it worked <laughs> but only because I ended up playing through the game and later in life because I never got that far in the arcade. And uh, the Industrial Zone is a load of crap. Like I hated that level so much, like I'm glad it wasn't a Super <laughs> Nintendo game.
0: Now I didn't, I didn't have a Super Nintendo at all, and actually until high school. I think I got a, like a, a cheap one out of a out of the flea market because we had uh, I was that, was that was during PlayStation days, but you know when we were younger, we had the Sega Genesis. We were a Sega Sega family.
1: Oh, rivalry!
0: So uh, yeah, my cousin had a Super Nintendo, and so I was exposed a little bit. Watch, well, seeing I remember seeing Final Fantasy for the first time on that, like Final Fantasy two, which is whatever six or it's a number. Right, whatever. whatever. I'm yeah. not going to. I'm not going to. See, seeing Final that. Fantasy two. On the Super Nintendo, like blew my mind. I was like, "Wait a minute, this yeah. game changed." <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> so that, cool, so so cool. You never found yourself so compelled to watch numbers pop up on the screen. Yeah,
0: yeah, but um, but Super Mario World, I've actually never played it all the way through. I've only like played a little bit on an emulator. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, I'm not
1: even saying that in a mean
0: way. I mean, it needs to be remedied. Yeah, I love platformers, you know, and I, and I do love Mario. I just never got around to finishing it. Now I have played like Sonic One, Two, and Three Knuckles to death, but.
1: Mario World, like, it's just, I always it's I always like a chide, blind spot for me. Yeah, we need to fix that, because I always chide Mario World for not having as many power-ups as Mario 3, and in some respects, also, the world variety isn't as good. But the solid platforming, creative level design, the music, the atmosphere, everything about Mario World, outside of those two things, is spectacular. Like, it's just like how Mario 64 kind of set up a nice placeholder for 3D platforming how to this day for me it's still pretty much up the top in the top three Mario World is that for platformers no matter how many other games that may even be better than it have come out it's, Mario World is still yeah, at the top
0: it's solid it's, the controls are really solid as, as floaty like they just make Mario more and more and more floaty but like that that was just the game
1: yeah in that game it was, it was tight hopping
0: jump boy is that, is that one you could, like, if you jump as soon as you landed, you can get a higher jump, or was that just later on?
1: Now, that came out in Mario 3. Oh, okay. <clears> uh, sorry, I Mario 3. Sorry, Mario uh,
0: World. Mario World. I'm tired. Mario 64. Super Mario
1: 64. Super
0: Mario 64. Good lorgan. That's Lordan. another game that I never... <laughs> Actually, I, I tried playing that on the handheld, but when they released it on the it DS. It sucked
1: on the DS. Uh, I couldn't get into it. It wasn't good on the DS. All right, so
0: I'm moving on to my track, right? Back, back to the 90s. No, so we, never nice. left the 90s. we never left the 90s. All right, so this, or, or maybe a little earlier than that, this is, I've upgraded from the pink handheld Walkman to a full-on boombox. Whoa. And little Rob Nichols, obsessed with skateboarding, loved Skate or Die. Skate, 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 skate or die. So Skater Die 2 came out, and I was blown away by this game and the soundtrack i couldn't believe the voices they stuck into this game and in the and again the opening theme if you just left it going was super long it was so cool so this is that I mean that, that 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 music's pretty great, but it's pretty well known. I think one of the one of the greatest tracks on this on the soundtrack yeah, is. Don't
1: oversell it, man. You gotta let us hear the track. I think I think the
0: ultimate, the best.
1: <laughs> You're overselling it. You're overselling it. But why
0: don't you just decide for yourselves? This is one of my favorite tracks from the game. I think it's one of the strongest tracks. This is the ramp music. There's a separate mode in the game where you ride on a skateboard ramp, and this is the music that plays, and it's pretty awesome. So it's awesome. It's the best. Check it out. It's by <laughs> and it's by Rob Hubbard, the best composer in the world. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it, Pernell.
1: I hope so, cause now there's a there's an expectation here.
0: Die die die!
2: It better be met.
0: This is the ramp music from the game Skate or Die 2. The search for Double Trouble for the NES by the composer Rob Hubbard. Did they ever actually find Double Trouble? Double Trouble was the name of the ramp, I think, right?
1: Maybe. Like, I was so bad at the game.
0: I think it was was because the story was um, you're a radical skater, dude. Of course. In a gnarly sort of way. um, And you, you get into trouble...
1: Double trouble?
0: Dude, no, no. Like, you kill a dog. You kill... Uh, so the no, no, the mayor's wife is walking her dog, and you run into her and your skateboard, and she's all mean about it. And then you have to kill the mayor. Well, he, he, I might be remembering this incorrectly. I think you are! <laughs> no, at some point, they're going to build a ramp, right? And... All of the pages of the plans, like of the blueprints of the ramp, get blown away, and you have to go and find them. Oh, that's right! No, no. Second stage is you go to the mall to make money. You make the money to build the ramp, and then stage three is all of the pages of the of, of the blueprints get blown away in the on the beach, and so you have, to, you have to you have to ride around the beach collecting all the pages.
1: Oh, okay. And on the
0: fourth stage, they steal your girlfriend
1: and you have to be a bad enough dude to rescue her. I'm assuming that's the, the way man. it goes,
0: but I think that the double trouble was the name of the ramp. Like you're searching for double trouble to like put it back together.
1: Okay. That sounds like it would be pretty nifty.
0: But this was this was a really interesting game where like it was it was an adventure game, kind of side scrolling, but like you had to you could you collected burgers, CDs and tacos to you would pay Lester and I forget the other guy's name for skateboards that could either move you faster or maneuver maneuver better or for extra moves. It was it just had a deep like system of like different moves you could do. You could you have like 8 or 9 different moves that you could purchase and then assign to different motions on the D-pad.
1: So you definitely got a lot farther in this game than I did.
0: Oh, it was so hard. Like I figured this game out. Like I played this to death and then I would always get stuck on stage three. I had to memorize stage two because the mall was impossible to remember where to go.
1: I got a feeling that's probably where I got cause I remember being a level where you're indoors and you're basically sh- skating around looking for like cans of paint and also tacos for some reason. Yeah. You just described that tacos were the currency. Yeah, tacos,
0: were cu- tacos are currency, which is a pretty cool world if you know, think about
1: it. I mean, as obsessed as everyone <laughs> is nowadays with Taco Bell, I mean, it's not like we can't go back to that world. I'm sure people are using it as currency right now. So the, the ramp... Is You can play
0: as a separate mode and you start the game up, you can just choose to play the ramp. And it was like, you would just go back and forth and you can do different tricks and try to time them to land back on the ramp. And it was actually really fun. The um, And then, um, I forget which episode we played it on. We played from Tor to Thrash for the Game Boy. It had the same thing. It was the exact same ramp. Except that if you did a certain move at a certain score, you'd shot up into space. Hmm. And it was like, they had all these little extra... Like little modifiers and bonuses he could do in the game. It was really neat.
1: Oh, of course, I liked how you described the game. It was like, yeah, you, you hit the ramp and land at the right time. You get points and bonus tricks. I'm just remembering his Skin Knee Simulator 2000. <laughs> Is that a game? That's how I play Skater Eye on the ramp. Oh, mode. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, wait! Yeah, and then the the voices. Like So there was like... Um, Rob Hubbard did a lot of like extra sampling and like crazy like trickery with the the hardware and with the available memory to to put voices and all these other crazy samples in there. This this track I think uses it a little bit more subtly, like the bass and the drums, they sound really deep and and pretty crunchy. Crunchy
1: strategy. Crunchy?
0: Crunchy. This is is some crunchy stuff, but that that that
1: opening theme is like super crunch. Oh that's crunchy. Like
0: That's like is that like Pringles crunchy?
1: Yeah kinda. Like sort of Donald Duck eating Pringles. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Donald, he has like no teeth so that, that's really noisy he makes it work
1: though that bill
0: can get things done does he have teeth did they ever draw him with teeth that'd be weird right they
1: probably had you know they always had the thing where like a guy gets hit in the mouth and he should have teeth Ugh. and they all fall out I'm picture I'm sure Donald's had a scene like that before
0: so yeah the last thing I want to say about this is um, as far as the composer's concerned Rob Hubbard uh, he is super well known western composer eventually worked on games like Road Rash and Skitchin.
1: Oh, I remember. I loved Skitchin exactly. back in the day. And these
0: are these are games I love, love, love later on because they were all re- released on the Sega Genesis. So. And that was
1: an impressionable yeah. youth because I legitimately did try to Skitch. So. Oh, did you
0: try that? Oh, I tried to Skitch. It didn't go so well, <laughs> but I tried it. Now, my brother-in-law used to do that, but he did that because he was obsessed with Back to the Future.
1: Ah, that's right. And
0: he used to ride skateboards and hang on the back of the car.
1: That's what he did in the movie. He was riding in the, movies, on the, tr- riding the back yeah, of the truck. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Dangerous stuff. Don't do this at home.
1: Unless you really want to. They go you know. nuts. Actually, if
0: you want to be a radical dude, you should go do it. You should. I, oh, wait, my brother-in-law listens to the show. But only with a <laughs> helmet. I'll call them out, because kids are going to hear that.
1: <laughs> Your dad, that means their dad will be have to watch out for them to see if they weren't following father's footsteps. Yeah. So what you got? Okay, now that you're done, you know, corrupting the adolescence.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I've got enough. So if I went from my little cassette player to the boom box, what, what are you up to?
1: Well... One of the emotions, that one of the things I can convey memory-wise that with this is the feeling of togetherness and friendship. So this track <laughs> will definitely fill that niche for me, and I'll explain why after it's done being played. And that track is called I Really Want to Hurt You by the artists Kiyotaka Sugimoto and Reo Nagumo from the game Poppin' Music 1. Oh, wow. Ooh, another poppin' music track. I have to, man, for oh. that Memories episode... To pop music one pop music one the first one the very first one You are still listening after hearing like three minutes of Japanese vocals and some <laughs> really funky back riffs. You just really listen- funky
0: tambourine.
1: Yes. You just listened to the song called I Really Want to Hurt You from the game Poppin' Music 1, composed by Kiyotaka Sugimoto and Ryo Nagumo. Now, why did I pick this track? Well... Well, you love poppin' music. I genuinely, genuinely do love poppin' music. But in addition to the fact that I adore this game, I also attribute it very highly to... Pretty much the almost the entirety of my social circle at present because back to the 90s, because that's where everything happened, um, I used to play games like Parappa the Rapper and um, I guess at the time, really that and Bust a Groove slash yeah. Bust a Move. Yeah, back then that was what we had. Yeah, it was all we had and we liked it. Hmm. So I go to my first anime convention, which was NecoCon R at Virginia Beach in 1999, and I entered the Bust a Groove 2 tournament. And this is before the U.S. version came out, so I was busted moved to, and I met a few people there. Um, one being a woman named Renessa, and another person that went by the name of Lynn. And this Lynn person was obsessed with this game I'd never heard of called Poppin' Music, and she would just ramble on and on about it. And she, we became friends, and we would talk online on ICQ and Air America <laughs> Online, Instant Messenger. <laughs> nice. And she suggested that I come out to Kazukon two thousand. To try this game with her and meet some of her friends. Uh, yeah, that's when we met up. Actually, no, this was before we met even. I think we met like in 2001. Oh yeah, no, no, I think you're right because I went to Otakon '99 and 2000,
0: DJing those two years, and then I went to Katcon. Yeah. I'm sorry, I mean, this is your story. I'm sorry.
1: This is your tale. This is your time. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I show up at this convention. I was kind of smitten by her too, so that was a large part of like, I gotta go do this. So I can get along with her, and I meet a bunch of her friends who. Honestly, are still friends of mine today david malcolm um and a couple other people too and at this point we play this pop music game on the sega dreamcast using you know dry dreamcast controllers it was built to be you know a bunch of buttons that you hit like a scale of nine buttons and notes fall down the screen like piano scales you have to hit the buttons or combinations of buttons to time with the beat but back then we didn't have the arcade setup up because it was a you know, pretty much a bootleg port from Japan right, uh, of pop music to one and two. So we played on the Dreamcast controllers, four players.
0: Wait, on the Dreamcast controller?
1: Yeah, we had Dreamcast controllers, but all the players had access to all the buttons. So we had to go, okay, you control the two left buttons, oh, you control so the two funny. right buttons, and I we still you failed that. Classic 2. <laughs> we still failed songs with four people controlling buttons. <laughs> it was sad, but fun. So I was kind of embarrassed about liking the game because... Fast forward, this was before I was into import games and before I was really into Japanesey things. Like, anime was still kind of like a thing I liked, but didn't tell a lot of people about it. So, it turns out a friend, one of the guys there, sold me a burned copy of the game for $5. He became a friend of mine post then. And this is still a funny story because he's like, if I know we were going to become friends, I wouldn't have sold it to you. I'd have just given it to you. So, I became obsessed with the series so much that I went to ICQ and traded and started trading interesting, let's say, wares for popping music games when they released <laughs> because I had to have the newest game, but I didn't want my friends to know I was playing it. So I was like, what's that weird, hokey Japanese game? No one cares about it. But then I'm in my bedroom, like, do do hit buttons, Japanese girls singing songs, and it was great. So eventually I became known as the guy that was like, how'd you get all these games? How'd you get access to them? You didn't even play the games. like, well, I had to know what I was playing so I could make fun of it. I mean, come on. But eventually I became more confident in telling people. I was like, hey, the games are awesome. I became friends with all these people. I eventually started going to Chicago and hanging out with people that played these music games. That includes Dance Dance Revolution, Guitar Freaks, and Beatmania, and the whole shebang. Rob and I bonded heavily because of DDR. Um, G- the, G- G- Guitar Freaks? And Guitar Freaks, actually, yeah.
0: G- or Gitadora, whatever <laughs> it's called now. It, yeah,
1: now it's like Gitadora Tri Boosters. Oh, yeah, God, that's a weird yeah, name. Tra-mania. But, like, we. Like, Pretty much my entire social scene... I mean, I have friends that don't fall into that. But this also came in my life a period of my life where I was really low. And through this game and the games in this Bimani series, my social circle expanded widely. I made a lot of friends that I still have to this very day. We don't even have access to the games at the time. Except now, we have round one, which a bunch of them are now located at so we can actually play them again. Yes, yes. But, uh, yeah, to me, I attribute... Bimani music games and music games in general to pretty much the majority of my social network, and I will always hold them in a very positive light for that. Yeah, so that's why I chose this song.
0: Yeah, no, it, this, this those games are really special to us. And I think a lot of people have that same have that same kind of history with these things because it's a very social thing to do, like to go out and listen to music, and then also social to play video games, and so combining those two things together it's like a it's a a very potent mix
1: and I completely forgot to even mention I also owe my entire taste in music to pop and music why you ask well oh there's a lot of different genres in this game oh yeah there are now before I played pop and music I didn't have taste in music at all really I basically listened to whatever was on the radio so my family listened to a lot of Motown um R&B Fresh Prince back when Fresh Princess did music oh yeah um Hammer, MC Hammer, The Usual Shebang, Heavy D and the Boys. Yeah, I'm old. And that's what I listen to. Dude, <laughs> I, I got those LPs right behind me. <laughs> nice! <laughs> and in high school, my friends listened to like Nirvana and Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, Grateful Dead, ex-stoner music, whatever. And I listened to that music for a while. And then I to to listening to Rent because they liked Rent. But, uh... Once I started playing pop music, all of a sudden you had these genres, some of which didn't even exist. <laughs> like yeah. you had classic, which is classical music. Pop was meant to be sort of like a popish theme or poppy. They had J-pop, they had Riot Girl, all sorts of stuff, and then they had Choco Pop and Twee, and all that. <laughs> and I really sunk my teeth into Twee. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And that was when I was listening like to the Aprils and Bis and all these other bands from the UK and Japan. And then that became my interest. That expanded even further until eventually I was into like shoegaze music, still twee music, and c- just crazy stuff. Like people to what to listen to, listen to it and are like, "What the heck is this stuff that you like?" I was like, "I like noise that sounds awesome."
0: <laughs> and mm. I also got you into on uh, dream pop, right? It did. It dream did. pop and uh, shoegaze.
1: Mm-hmm. It started, spawned from twee, stepping into shoegaze, and then when shoegaze finally made an appearance in pop music, I flipped out. It's like finally, it's here. I get to hear what they think of two games music, and it was really good. So, ah, such fond memories. This is a great topic. It's
0: good, yeah. So, okay, So, my my last track is from so I, years later. Past the the boombox that I had, I had I was obsessed with trying. I was in. I was getting into DJing. Um, I was getting into um, music. I was coming off of doing um, tracker style music and doing using samplers and sequencers, and I got really into um, what I could do with CDs, and then the Sony came out and had this mini disc format.
1: I, I think I kind of remember that.
0: Okay, so it was like a CD but smaller in a, in a cartridge, and you could and it was recordable. And it, I was like, "Yes, I need this." So I saved up some money, and I bought a small Walkman-style
1: mini disc player recorder. I gotta say, just off the record, it's amazing. I, on the record, because we're recording. We're recording. <laughs> I the love record. the fact that. Your essence of memory was like your journey through progressive recording of music you like.
0: Yes, yes. There had to be a way to capture this stuff. I couldn't find soundtracks. I had to make my own, and, and also like when I was younger, I, I couldn't explain why why it fascinated me, why I was so into it, you know, or, or or I didn't realize that maybe these were the same composers. Like, why did this Konami music rock so hard, you know? But like it did. Mm, yeah, it did. So so this was the era of the Dreamcast. So we're on that, that same time and I started getting really, really into vertical shooters and fighting games. And this is where I became less of a gamer and more of a guy who just played two games a whole lot. Mm. <laughs> so I, I had to pick I had to pick because I used to copy a lot of soundtracks um, and I would listen to them all the time. This was a kind of a weird time of my life. So um, a lot of this music meant a lot to me because I listened to it all the time because I didn't have, mi- there were no commercial mini discs made in America. So I couldn't go out and just buy like Nirvana or like Nine Inch Nails on a mini disc.
1: No, wait, just bro, just like can make sure though, but overseas in Japan, you could buy like a Nirvana yes. album on mini disc.
0: Or, or or whatever, whatever you know. Uh, yeah. G- like bands. Japanese bands, yeah. So, but but not in the states. So I had all I had on mini disc were either stuff that I was doing myself or stuff that I recorded directly from the Dreamcast. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna pick um, uh, one from a vertical shooter, which I love today. We still talk about it from gigawing Wing Two. For the Spark Dreamcast, Kupapa. this is the first battle theme, which is the the first stage music, um, by Yasushi Kamanishi, and it's it is it's really different, so uh, different from what I would expect from a shooter. So I hope you enjoy it. You're listening to Battle Theme 1, which is actually the boss music from the game GigaWing 2, uh, developed by Capcom for the Dreamcast, composed by Yasushi Kamanishi. And yeah, I would listen to this all the time because it was just rocking. Like, driving to this music is the best.
1: I naturally just started kind of tapping my fingers to the desk here with like a clomping sound because it goes well, very well with it. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how to explain it. Yeah, I I have a lot of...
0: Just hours and hours and hours and hours perfecting my the runs on these games. And this this game and it's not there's better like bullet hell shooters out there because they had like the reflect the power to reflect bullets. So the game would just throw everything at you. And it, there was a lot less skill involved in
1: dodging and just managing when you could reflect bullets. Well, but I'm, granted it was still really hard. I remember playing through this with you as we did, a, we did I think we did a full-on it was if it was two players with you and I did four players another time but Yeah,
0: it was four players.
1: I just remember doing a lot of dying in that game and a lot of the, of course the characters screaming their special moves was fantastic. Yeah,
0: yeah, the Japanese version's insane uh, because of the voices. Also, wasn't this one of the games where you could turn the TV on its side and it had like a side play mode? No, no, this is actually not one of those. Um giggling one. Yes. And I think some of the other ones, definitely from Capcom. But Giggle Wing Two was unique in that it was four players, so it was actually a full widescreen. Like it used up almost the entire screen. Oh, nice! Well, it wasn't wide, but it was for like, the the, the, the four three ratio screen. Um, it had four players, and it used the actual analog control from the
1: from the Dreamcast. Oh, whereas usually they would still make you use the cross pad, even though it had access to both.
0: Right, because most of these were ported from the arcade, so in the arcade you'd really you usually didn't have an analog stick. But this one actually had analog stick, which made really minute control um, really good. This is where I started to learn how to play for score, which a score was ridiculous in this game because like the scores would be like five billion trillion, like the numbers would just go trail and trail and trail.
1: It's Just so billion
0: weird. And also, I learned that how 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 to play these games is to play on one credit and to see how far you can get.
1: Oh yeah, because otherwise, you, technically, you can just—you'll never run out of credits if you just want to oh, beat yeah, the game. So exactly. you can just
0: get blown up and kill things until so it works out. So I've only one credit completed this one, uh, twice. Oh, you've actually done it before? Oh yeah, dude. i this is a time where I've played a lot of games, where yeah. I played a lot of this game.
1: <laughs> I was going to say you <laughs> always had a thing where you just played a lot of specific titles and mastered Yeah, games. yeah.
0: So yeah, this is this is pretty uh pretty deep in my memory here. Like,
1: I was the man who did, worked the buffet. Whereas you were the man that's like, I just want one entree and I'm gonna make this count. Yeah. Ooh, do I taste do I taste um, some herbs in this? Is that some thyme? <laughs> yeah, you see you can actually taste
0: the hints oh. of flavor
1: <laughs> and the uniqueness of the recipe. I'm just like, Fo Actually, no, this was
0: um <laughs> this is one of my first the first times I um I cosplayed. It was like Otakon, like two thousand one or something. I cosplayed as the doc, as the, the, the professor doctor guy from this game.
1: Oh seriously? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gee, that's like, I know. I didn't know you. I had then, like, a lab coat that. and yeah, a lab coat and a
0: blue uh, turtleneck and like a bunch of like pins.
1: As I think I might have known you as an employee at the store at the time, but I didn't know you as like a person person at the time. Yeah, yeah.
0: I wasn't a real person then. Like you were
1: just a pure clerk. I you was start. I
0: was just a uh, I was just a clerk playing shmups. You were get me my fix. Gotta play some shmups. Like hey man, you got you got my hookup. <laughs> <laughs> it's, my it's hard to recommend games like these because it's like, oh yeah, it's um do, do you l- like screaming? Do you like being like really focused, really hardcore for like a good two hours? <laughs>
1: do you wanna throw your controller?
0: I, I actually... Th- these games live in my mind next to music games because it involves that heightened concentration.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, and, and it's in a different way. When your eyes kind of cross, but you're still moving the game around. Yeah, yeah, and
0: you're still playing for score, and and like and, and playing well means that it looks awesome.
1: And that playing well in music games means it sounds awesome. That is very true. And it looks awesome, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, for my last track, I'm going to go with a different angle of memories. But the track itself is really freaking solid, so a good excuse to play this track is why I'm putting it on the ship. All right, what you got? It's from the game Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. Oh, interesting! And is the theme to Sueto, Sueto's theme, and is composed by Masafumi Takada. Welcome back. You are listening to the track Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth Suedo's Theme. And it's written and composed by Masafumi Takada. It is an awesome track by an awesome composer from an awesome
0: game. This is very different from the other tracks on the the, the episode, man. This is very, it seems
1: dark. Well, (laughs) funny enough, it's an awesome track, but it also, it's weird. Basically, the reason why I picked this track is because the memory that comes with it and what I feel it ties into video games in a healthy way. Um, as you already know, of course, uh, last year I got into a breakup scenario with an ex-girlfriend at the time. And as a grown man, it was the first girlfriend I ever had, so I can't speak to anybody who had was dating regularly as you know teenagers into adulthood. But as a first breakup, as an adult, I tried to play it all cool and solid. That junk hurt, and it stung like a ton of bricks. So, being a game-playing individual, I decided I wanted to kind of back away from everything socially and kind of take myself into, I guess, uh, the escape point. And that escape point, at the time, surprisingly enough, became Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. It had just come out. And I originally had bought it to say, oh, this is a game that might be cool for a few minutes and put it on the shelf and forget about it. Unfortunately, I do that a lot sometimes because I play a lot of games. But due to the scenario at hand, I became obsessed with this game. I dove into it. And I never finished it, but not because of lack of interest, but because I wanted to collect every Digimon, (laughs) every move, Every point in the game I possibly could. That's the Pernell I know. That's right. That's the Pernell I love. So I was like into this game. Like, I have. I plan to beat the game next month. I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to knock it out. But, um, I was catching all the exclusive rare Digimon, like the, Red, the White Rose Mon. And, you know, Me- I like to make fun of the names It's like Mega uh, <laughs> Crazy stuff like that. And it did a lot. I mean, I'm still in that weird, crunchy feeling where I'm trying to figure out, you know, where am I going, who am I going to talk to, blah, blah, blah. But video games have a way of bringing people together, but they also have a way of helping you cope with problems and sadness when you want to just be away from people. Yeah. And to me, Digimon was that game at a very needed time for me. And I'm sure other people have games as well, like, you know, a relative passed away. What were you playing to kind of you know, cover the emotions you had at the time. You know, so, and the track itself relates to a character in the game who I'm still, I'm looking forward to seeing what his outright conclusion is, (laughs) but is a really creepy dude who would always show up when, like, the digital world starts to kind of overlap with the real world because the main character is a walking bit of data who gets erased in the digital world. I'm not going to explain it because the story makes it yeah, really bizarre. I, I don't know anything about Digimon. I didn't all, either aside all. from the cartoon. So playing the game was interesting but it's kind of his own little unique universe just with the Digimon characters. And uh, so when this digital world and real world overlap occurs this guy would always show up. He was a scientist. He was always really obsessed with, Oh, there's the Digimon. I know the Japanese voice. And he would talk, and he would get really excited, but he also was really creepy, so you didn't know where his allegiance was or if he was there to help you or to to use you or to even hinder you. You don't really know. And right now, he still seems like he wants to help, but he's very sketchy, and I'm waiting for him to pull some kind of shyster routine on me where I got to punch his teeth in with, you know, Fisticuff Mon um, or Boxing Cactus Mon, whatever his real name is. I'm assuming um, that's probably his name. There's actually a boxing cactus. (laughs) I mean, like that's probably his name. Boxing a cactus, mom. (laughs) It probably is. If it's not, it should have (laughs) been. But he's awesome and he's huge. So, yeah, definitely check this game out if you have access to it. PS4 or the Vita. Great game. Well, this ties in good with my next track, which is
0: part of our last part of the show, where I bring the track down. And we get into the bonus round. bonus, bonus round.
3: (laughs) Are you ready?
0: The bonus round is the part of the show where we play remixes and covers based on today's theme. Today's theme is memories. Memories from games, from from feelings around games, maybe why you played those games, or around the music itself. So my track is from Mega Ran, from his album Random, um, which has just... Almost every track on this thing has just the, the lyrics what he writes is just so perfect this is um, he for his backing track is using the theme to Robocop for the Game Boy sped up a bit and it sounds awesome and it's all about how the things that we create and the, and, and, the, and the people we love give us infinite lives that's an awesome theme so so let's so check this one out.
2: You know we all die. This is fun. But the goal isn't to live forever, but to create something that will. Two, three, four. Here we go. Infinite
4: lives, We got
2: infinite
4: lives. Never say never. We're gonna live forever. Uh-huh. Infinite lies.
2: I'ma disagree Cause you can live forever And forever doesn't cease Live through your creations And the people that you teach So I live through my music Eternally through the beats first email says I'm digging that verse The next four emails I'm missing that merch You can't take it with you And so I never intended to For my last interview This is the gift I'm sending you huh? Never gonna die Cool, I suppose, But you can live forever through the songs you compose Experiences you share, the highs and the lows Experimentation with the flows, cause God knows She learned more about life from P.O.X. pops, pops works Than she ever could've gotten in church Is that wrong, living for that song? Learning from that lyric it's and steering others from wrong? We living off love, never needing a mill Full from the enlightenment and warmth that we feel, yeah! Up up emotion from chillin' chasing the girls To floating over the ocean and maybe changing the world First two emails like, hey, that's tight Next few emails, you change my life Even if I inspire and people call it a timely All you gotta do is rewind me Cause I've got infinite lives
4: You got infinite lives. Never say never We're gonna live forever Infinite lives
2: It sucks. Well, I beg to differ Cause you can live forever Through the feelings you deliver From the first raindrop To the rush of a mighty river I give you the bigger picture Glitcher and leave a fissure Open and full of hope And it's smoldering like a coaching. But seeking precaution Will never fear your garden pardon Everybody who got it And left my memory clouded I decided instead of complaining i do something about it Forever's not a time It's a place of a state of mind No, they never gave me mine I elected to stay behind There's deeds I need done Pages I haven't filled Places I haven't been through Stages I haven't killed, lies I haven't touched, and words I need to say. Tell me who needs forever when our forever's the day. If I die, it's right on time. It's meant to be this way. Now tell me who needs forever or forever's the day. Come on. Infinite lives,
4: we got infinite lives. Never say never, we're gonna live.
0: That was Infinite Lives featuring the D&D Sluggers, which I guess is the the guy on the chorus there, um, by Megaran from his album Random, R-N-D-M. And yeah, I didn't like that song so much at first because of the chorus. I I wasn't into the chorus, but the lyrics are so good, and I feel like that's like the perfect fit for today's episode.
1: Well, that track definitely rolled a natural 20 for me. I was (laughs) was quite fond of the lyrics and (laughs) the message that it presented.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I love the message. I, I love the way he he um he rhymes. He rhymes these words like they're almost like they're almost surprising in that the 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 the, the rhymes aren't the words you would expect, but then they they just fit so perfectly. I, I love it. I love the message it has. It's perfect.
1: Nice, good selection for great
0: me. song, greatest song ever. Well, Better than yours.
1: You're, <laughs> you're, you're post overselling so. You're, posed, you're 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 over closing the song. now. Next episode, best episode. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can top this. Nothing will. Nothing. No 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 no. What do you have? Because I'm curious. What, what did you bring? Well, the tr- I was trying to think like what would be considered a good memory track for a remix, and I figured rather than go with the track itself, I could go with the composer of the track. Okay. And in this particular case, I went with the many bosses. Oh, and this, their Castlevania track in particular, and the reason why I picked the many bosses is because back in the day, they were pretty much the video game cover band. Like, right, yeah. they headlined everything. In fact, when Magfest one was being planned and discussed, this was also again before I was really into cover bands. This is when I learned about them, and we had to figure out you know what to come who would be who what kind of bands would be good to come up with. And I don't remember who selected them or how it came to be, but ultimately the many bosses was selected as one of the headlining bands. And of course, other bands I remember off the time, it was like the one-ups was there too, were there. Um, but the many bosses to me from then. And even now, even though I don't listen to them so much anymore, they were pretty much the epitome of what, what of video game cover bands, Who's video game? many boss, check them out. Um, <laughs> So I figured it would be fitting to choose my first video game cover band as my memory for a cover track. So Castlevania by the many bosses. All right, let's check it out. So that was yeah. the many bosses Again, I don't know if they still do performances anymore or recordings, but uh, yeah, they still rock. They're still awesome. To me, they're like the Grateful Dead of, or sorry, the Van Halen of video game cover bands. Like, they're one of the OGs of the rock sound, and even though other bands may have come along since then, they try all kinds of crazy things, and get wild with their performances and whatnot, take the spotlight, many bosses still rock, and they're still worth listening to, even today.
0: That, that was one of the best covers of Wicked Child, I think I've heard. It was really good. Well, they killed it. So for more information about the artists on the bonus round part of the show, check out rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to their bios, webpages, band camps, and everywhere where you can grab their music. Thanks for joining us this week on Rhythm and Pixels video game music podcast. This week's topic is, was, you've been listening to the topic, which was. Memories. Memories. Good and bad, happy and sad. There it's good or, bad, <laughs> or sad. <laughs> good or bad, happy or sad. Good or bad,
3: happy or sad. So now we're, going, now we're
1: getting Motown in the room. Yeah, we can do that. We're good with that. I'm good with that. Yeah, that's, why not? Hey, funny part, I, party, party, I just, just remember what that was. I was trying to, it was in my head like a Noah's Motel. You Noah, know, you grew up with this, you know this. Oh, yeah, I was jamming to that you know, this, stuff yeah. back in the day. I jammed to it now. Just Yeah, this is a cool, cool topic. Yeah, it, I it Honestly, who knows, maybe it'll come up again sometime like in a year or two. I don't know, but it's an awesome. Yeah, it's got me thinking. I was like, yeah. Because I associate a lot of memories with video game tracks. It's funny how that works. Yeah, yeah just music gets
0: stamped on there. Music really kind of sets the mood, and, and it s- sticks with you. And a lot of times, music is what makes me go back to a game in the first place.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, the experience itself might have gone dry, but you want to hear the music in this natural habitat. Yeah. <laughs> natural habitat.
0: <laughs> well, um, if you have a topic for us, and you would like to send one our way, or if you have any other suggestions, please send us an email.
1: Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com.
0: And if you'd like a full track listing or more information about the show or the artists on the show or the artists focused on the show, check out the website.
1: Rhythmandpixels.com
0: And you can find us on the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all rhythm, at Rhythm and Pixels. On Twitter, it's actually rhythm underscore and underscore pixels. But if you just type it in the search, we're like the first thing that comes up. It's no because
1: big, we're that awesome. It's no big deal.
0: I, I got this SEO thing down. Hey! All right. <laughs> uh, yeah so we, we have a couple of topics playing out for the next couple the next few episodes actually but we um we're always excited to hear some new stuff so yeah, definitely that'd be really great to
1: hear some more suggestions oh god yes because be honest let's i'd rather push our topics to the bottom in favor of new, <laughs> new fan produced topics yeah yeah i guess it makes it kind of forces us to like you
0: know look for new things and try out try out new uh Try out new pants, new shirts.
1: Exactly. Um, yeah. Get a license, get enough licenses to wear the right hat. <laughs> the licenses for the hat? Final Fantasy Twelve reference.
0: Oh, man. I never played that. Oh, wait, no,
1: I did. Yes, I did. I don't think you liked it very much, but you did. I play. did not, but I did finish it. You did? Yeah. That I didn't know. I did, did you? Oh, no, I was too busy <laughs> hunting creatures. I didn't have time to finish the game. <laughs> I got lost in the Great Crystal, never got out. I, I followed a guide to get Kiraga. Oh, well, Kiraga does help, but the yeah. Great Crystal doesn't care about your Kiraga. No, no. You get, you get lost. Everybody beats the tar out of you. It's, it's a jam. Mm.
0: Thanks for joining us. We're the Rhythm and Pixels Video Game Music Podcast. I'm Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Have a great week.
1: And remember, memories are something worth cherishing. Good memories, bad memories, adequate memories, subpar memories, all spectacular and special no matter where you get them from no matter how you acquire them. Typically, they are not something you want to forget. Obviously, there's some, let's be honest here. But typically, you want to hold on to all of them because memories are what make us who we are. They are how we become the people we are. They build us, they form us, they shape us. And without those memories, you'd be a shell of the masterful being you've become. Be happy for what you've experienced and be happy for what you will experience in the future because you're awesome and the world needs to know that. I like this.